dreams, they can change. They change, they evolve, but you have to let them. There are times in my life where I held on by my fingernails to one idea of myself, to one dream. And it wasn't until I let go and I let space in my life to be afraid, to not have the security, and to have a little bit of fear, doubt, worry, but then you will rise. You will find, okay, I have space now. All of a sudden the phone rings. All of a sudden you see an ad, you're like, I'm right for that. So uh, I just say trust expansion and trust not holding on by your fingernails that I have to make this happen. I have to, because you need space to, to create art. Hey there, welcome to Theater Life Uncensored, where we peel back the curtain and reveal to you what's really working in today's industry for theater artists just like you. That means you get to hear and learn how to surpass your career goal sooner and enjoy an easier, more peaceful life along the way. I'm your host, Jim Cooney, a New York City-based director-choreographer, and I'm also the founder of Amplified Artists, a membership community for theater professionals from performers to producers and everyone in between, helping you create a career and life you love. Friends, we are so lucky to have none other than the Rochelle Rack on the show today. Now, if you somehow don't already know who this woman is, let me tell you. She started on Broadway at age 17 in the musical Cats and then continued with a long string of Broadway shows from there, including Fosse, which if you saw the video recording that they released after the show closed, she's the one who sings I Gotcha in that. She also did Thou Shalt Not, Catch Me If You Can, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Oklahoma, and so many more. In film, she was in Every Little Step, which was the documentary about the 2006 Broadway revival of A Chorus Line. It was documenting the casting process and giving additional insights on the show, and so she's heavily featured in that. On TV, she's a celebrity judge on Abby's Ultimate Dance Challenge. She's a choreographer for Dance Moms. And currently, right now, at the time of this recording, she's an associate choreographer for the Broadway-bound musical Boop that just did a successful out-of-town tryout in Chicago. And that's directed and choreographed by Tony Award winner, Jerry Mitchell. She also has written her own musical. She has a single that she's released on all the streaming platforms. I mean, she has just done so many things in so many areas of our industry. But believe it or not, her resume is not the primary reason why I invited her on the show today. She is so much more than her resume. She is incredibly resilient. She's incredibly confident. She's incredibly motivational and inspirational. She is full of so much joy and optimism. And I know by having her on the show today, you are going to leave feeling so empowered to be unapologetically yourself, not trying to be like anyone else, but being truly who you are. Now, you know, if you've been listening to this show, what do I say at the end of every single episode? I say, remember, there's no one on the planet who's just like you. Stay true to the gifts you have and who you are. So, you know, I am a thousand percent down with everything Rochelle's about to share with you. Because here's the thing, friends, being true to who you are and getting paid to be who you are, that is the rocket fuel that launches your career. Now, one of the things we talk about today is improving the things that maybe you're not so great at and finding the gaps and filling in the missing pieces. But that can be hard to even know what those things are. Sometimes we're blind to where these gaps exist. And so I want to help you with this. And so I want to share a resource with you that will let you audit the 20 essential building blocks of an artist's career. So you can see where these holes exist and then you can fill them in from there. And it also gives you some tips and strategies to get you started in any of these areas. 
and it's called Dream Career Blueprint. And you can download a free copy of this. You are a listener of the show, so it's a way for me to thank you for being here today. You can download it at jimcooney.me forward slash blueprint. And I link to it in the show notes as well. Now, also, one of those things that we talk about, one of those 20 essential building blocks is your network. And Rochelle is going to share on this show how she has used her relationships and her network to build so many different parts of her career and how they have helped these relationships have helped her with all these stages of her career. And she's a strong advocate, as she'll share with you, with expanding your network. Well, one of the easiest and most simplest ways you can do that is by using social media. So how about you and me? Are we connected yet? If not, let's fix that. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at Jim Cooney NYC. You can follow me, send me a DM or drop me a message there. Tell me you're a follower of the show. Let's meet each other. Let's start a conversation. This is how we build a network. And it's so easy to do. So make sure you go over, follow me if we're not already connected there. And one last thing before we jump into the conversation, if you don't want to miss any episodes of the show, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player so you are the very first to know when the next episode is released. And while you're there, I would be so grateful if you could give the podcast a five-star rating and leave a positive review. This is what the podcast platforms use to know what shows people are enjoying and to suggest to other listeners. So if you found this show helpful, please just take a moment, leave that five-star rating and a review, and we can help more people find out about this podcast so it can help them like it is helping you. All right, my friends, are you ready? Let's now have our chat with Rochelle Rack. Hello, Rochelle Rack. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, and I know we've been trying to figure out a time for like the last six weeks to line this up, so I'm so grateful that you could be here today. And you're just such an inspiration. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. I'm here. I made it, yeah. Jim. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, one of the first things we like to talk about uh, is just how you would describe yourself as an artist, because especially for someone like you who does so many different things, it's really challenging for people I know to like kind of sum up what they do. So I always love to give people that you know opportunity at the beginning to how you know you would say it in your words what you do. Well, I think, you know, you start off as one idea of yourself. And then as time goes on, it changes. I am a dancer, singer, actress, writer, creator, choreographer. And I also am an educator. So there's a there's a big difference. I know a lot of people that dance and perform, they don't, they're not interested in teaching. It's not their thing. It's okay. It's just not what they do. For me, I was raised by a dance teacher who had her own dance studio. So I was around it all of my life. It's in my language. So I think for me now as a choreographer and associate choreographer, I want to be the mentor of the next generation in the best way that I can serve them in their time. So that's kind of like where I am. I would say I'm doing it all. And I know that sounds like, oh, who does she think she is? She can do everything. But after so much time goes by and you try these different things, you realize, hey, I do have something to say. I have something to write. I have something to express. And why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, you have done everything. So you're saying that with, with experience, not just making that up. Uh, but I, I love this about you being a mentor, because I think that's that's really one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about today, because I, you know, I don't know if I ever told you this, but the first time I ever saw you perform was in Fosse. And I was like, oh, who is this? You know, who's this woman? Amazing. And so I, I saw you in all your Broadway shows after that. But we didn't really get to meet each other and work together until Broadway Bears, which was 
geez, like what, 10 years ago now, probably. And then you started teaching for the programs. At Maybe BBC more. Was... Oh, before. Yeah. And uh, then Maybe you were here longer. teaching. At... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think like when that actually was. But but yeah, I guess because the pandemic, like we just time feels like so compressed. Um, but really, like having you in as the uh, teacher for a lot of the program students when I was the advisor of those programs at BDC, I got to really see you mentor other people. And you are always our favorite person to bring in because you just like the students were on the edge of their seat the entire time. You were so transparent about your highs, your lows, ups and downs and your resilience and all these things. And like people just walked away. I walked away myself and it wasn't even a class for me, but I would walk away feeling invincible. So where does that for you, like where does that confidence that you have come from? And because you, you do such a good job of instilling that into so many other people. Well, they, first of all, thank you so much for the compliment because it's um, it takes time. It's a business that can really beat you down. I write about it often. You know, it can beat you down, break you down, make you lose confidence in things that you're good at. You can start to doubt. You can be really um, feeling strong about something. You can come from a small town, be the star in everything you've ever done. Come to New York. And I wrote a monologue about it. Just fall flat on your face. No one hires you. You're not castable. And you're constantly looking for approval. No one ever explains to us at a young age or to these young dancers that you have to be picked. You don't just get to perform. You don't just get to say, I want to be in this show. That's not how it works. That's how it works in your hometown or you pay to be in a play. All of that is wonderful. I think it's positive. I think it's a great way to get on stage. But the confidence, it comes from heartache. It comes from being broken. It comes from disappointment. Because if you don't allow yourself to be that involved in what you love and that I'm so driven by my passion for what I do, I'm exhausted. I don't know where it comes from sometimes, but I'm driven. And I guess I've learned to do the work, you know, shut up and dance, learn your lyrics, walk in prepared, walk in and present yourself. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen and then let it go because you that's where all of those, you know, sassisms, honey, you got to drop swing. You have to drop swing from the 10 a.m. audition to the 2 p.m. audition. That's how fast you have to recover. So what I can give to young dancers or singers or performers is, hey, you, you did that and then you got to let it go to do the next thing and be better. Keep getting better. Stop blaming the panel, they're not looking for blondes. They're not looking for people like me. I was the wrong size. I don't sing high enough. Sometimes that's true. But sometimes you're singing the wrong song. You're not wearing the right outfit. You have to be your biggest critic. I think if we start to look at ourselves and go, I wore that three times. I didn't get a call back. Something's not working. There, it, there's something about show business, about being smart for yourself. And I think if if more of the younger generation start to do that and realize, hey, I can do better, then they're going to have a successful journey. So that's where it comes from for me. Heartache. How about that answer? <laughs> yeah, well, because most people would say the opposite, where like it comes from your experience and whatnot. And so that's one of the things like I was saying before, why I think it's so inspirational, because you're taking your heartache and failures and you're turning it into something that's making you stronger. And that's a conscious choice to do that, because you see a lot of people crumble even from just like a year of, you know, not booking something, they just leave the business because they 
they don't know how to like channel that into confidence and to fuel them forward. So I think that's amazing that you say that. Yeah. Well, that's and, great. I, you know, I, yeah. Good. No, I think um, I was talking to one of our, you know, performers in, in Betty Boop, who is an actor. And I said, why don't you take some dance classes? Like, you're such a great actor. I mean, he had such a background acting and he was like, you know, it gets so expensive. And I said, you know, it used to be very helpful if a dancer needed to learn how to work on a script and an actor needs to learn how to move. You know, there are ways in this community and I know we have to pay to go to class and we have to stay up on our game, but there are also ways to do that and help one another and do a trade-off because I always was afraid of the script when I was young. I did musicals mm. that only sang and danced and that I was like, I got this. But when it came to the script work, it wasn't something that I had studied. So I was fearful of it. Then I just dove in. And I tell young actresses that now that were like, oh, I'm a dancer. Oh, when did you start to sing? When it... And I said, when I was 30, I went to class every week, three hours a week acting only. And I was like, that was when I finally said, I have to feel better about this. So there are ways to help one another. I think I think we just need to keep well, reaching out and asking for help. Yeah, and I think where there's a will, there's a way. And also, yeah, classes, you know, they can be expensive, but you, it's an investment in yourself and you're doing it so you can be hired. And so you get paid for the jobs you're doing, which, you know, is a huge return on that investment. So I think it's, we have to look at that as not money going out, but we're gaining skills from this that are going to, you know, blow up our career or, or bring us the income that we want to see. So we're not in that situation where we can't afford these things. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I love too that you said about being smart because I think that it's, especially with social media, it's so easy for people to like, just look at what everyone else is doing and then just try to mimic what everyone else is doing because they think that's what works, but it only works because that works for them. You can't do that because you're not that person. So it is about being smart. I couldn't agree more that you have to do what's best for you and like what your skills are and what's unique about you and, and showcase that to the world. And that's something you do very well. Well, thank you. I think that, it, you know, it was interesting for me to be on the other side of the table for months on the musical boot, watching, you know, having dancers, having them, you know, do jazz, tap and hip hop, three full combinations, having them sing, sing again, read, and I was on the other side, kind of like feeling their energy and hope for them to do well. Like I was like, I felt like, oh God, I'm like Mama Rose over here. Like, okay, I hope it goes well. Please, you know, do it. Hit your note. Here it comes. So all of that stuff that I felt on the other side, walking in the room. And I realized, you know, the lesson is you only get three minutes. That's it. You walk in, you say hello, sing the best song you have in your book. Don't don't dilly dally like, oh, I have this, I have that. Know what you do well. I sing, here's my 16 bars, boom. Do I have something else? Here's my second choice, boom. Take everything out of that book that you don't want to be heard. A, I learned that a long time ago. And don't be afraid to try things. You want to use a chair? You want to sit down when you do your scene? You want to stand at the piano? It's your time. Ask. That's it. So the, the fear factor that I grew up with, you know, you know, there's a, there's a different time. And I was telling some of the young dancers, look, you know, why are you so fit? Rochelle, you're so fit. You keep taking such good care of yourself. And I said, because I'm programmed like a dinosaur. 
If I wasn't thin, tall, five, six, thin, lean, looked good, could dance, I wasn't hired. There was no in between when I came up. So I'm like programmed. So I'm trying to break that mold and, and let people realize, hey, here's your package. This is how you're made, your shape. How can you dance the best for what you have? How, what kind of parts can you play with the way that God life, you know, has evolved and made you? So I think that's super important. I try to teach that to my daughter now, like you are enough, but that doesn't mean you don't have to do the work. That's where I have a disconnect. Being enough and doing the work are two separate things. Yeah. And you always know, like, you're very good about being unapologetic, unapologetically who you are. And that's something I try to work with people a lot on too, because we're drawn to those people. We're drawn to people who are themselves. And like you said, with your, your songbook, like sing what shows you off. You know, I always say to people, you want to get paid to be you. You don't want to get paid to be someone that you're not, because then that's going to be a miserable experience. So who are you? Like find that out and know how to showcase that. And it's going to be so much more of a creatively fulfilling experience for you because you get to be yourself. Absolutely. I agree with you. And, you know, there's, there wasn't, I guess it's like, sometimes I feel like the young generation, like everyone, you know, wants to give them a bad rap and I disagree. Like I am so, I love them. I love this generation coming up. I want to share with them what I've learned and how maybe with all of the social media and all of the Google and all of the things that they have just at the push of their button. Do you remember going to Colony Records? I used to have to buy the songbook to yep. get the one song to get the 16 bars. So like I yep. sometimes do feel like a dinosaur, but it made you follow through. You had to find the song. You had to look it up. You had to, you know, you had to get it transposed. You didn't just get to push play and transpose the damn song. So I look at these things and I think, okay, how can you be of service for your career that you want? If you really want this career, you have to do the preparation. And I want you to do the preparation because no one is going to spoon feed you, whether you're an understudy, if you get hired. You know, I also pay a lot of attention to this. It's like most of the people, 80% of the ensemble understudies a principal, 75%, let's say for sure. And so think about that. Think about not only do I have to dance, sing, and act, you know, I have to be able to understudy someone. They might be 30 years older than me. They might be the young teenager. Who, who am I understudying when I look at this, this piece when I'm going in? Because that is how you're going to have a longevity career and you're going to have more opportunities, which wasn't the case yeah. always when I started. So that's changing. Yeah. I mean, that's a big reason why I think people... Uh, get cast in the ensemble or not is who are they going to be able to cover because you have to figure that out. So it could be the best dancer in the room, but if they're not able to cover a role, then you have to go with someone else. And then it just, you know, it's a big puzzle of figuring that all out. But yeah. So you have have your whole- I have fallen off of many tables. I have been, (laughs) as we know, every little step, people come up to me, they're like, we studied you in college. And I'm like, oh my God. So yeah. I have to relive my heartache every time, but it's so, it's so wonderful because life does give you the full circle. But I think about that, I think about those tables where, and now being on the creative team, like as well, you are seeing, you have that group and then something takes you off the table. It's nothing, not your talent, not you personally, but just the fitting of the puzzle. And I think sometimes 
a lot of people don't know that part of it. But then again, you could also blame it. You could be like, oh, well, you know, I, that's not what I, they were looking for. True. But what can I do to be better at what I do? What, what is my responsibility in this equation? And mm-hmm. that's when you're going to go, oh, okay, here it is. And things are going to change. Right. Yeah. And I've heard you talk about every little step before, especially with the students at BDC. And it's like, it's one thing to have your own failure, but then to have it be in a movie forever is like another thing. And so like, it's just going back to what you were talking about of, you know, using these things to fuel your confidence moving forward. I mean, that's such a powerful lesson because I mean, not many people have that on film, you know, permanently there for everyone to see. So yeah. <laughs> True. Thank God for Fosse. Um, no, but yeah. there, it's so funny because, you know, I do think back at all of that. And, you know, I finally, you know, got to play that part of Paper Mill, met Kelly Bishop, had, I love Deirdre Goodwin, like the drama of it all. Like, I love all of those people and everyone. The lesson I think I talk about sometimes with students is, you know, when it's your turn, it's your turn. So be kind, help someone at an audition. Someone didn't learn the combination and you know it, teach it, help someone because it's not going to take your day. If it's your day and that's your job, you're going to get it. So be kind, be of service. And I think that if more of that happens when we're at an audition and you're like cheering one another on, I used to love to go to the auditions with like the other dinosaurs that I won't mention because I wouldn't want to classify them. But in the room with these icon legends, and I'd be like, we would be screaming, cheering for one another because we know it's one gig, one job. There's 20 of us. We're all good. So it's just going to be, okay, who is the choice of the day? So Mm -hmm. help one another, I think, is the lesson for the now for me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So you have your your alter ego sass and all your sassisms and whatnot. And so is that something that also came from, uh, did you feel like you had this character that would help you, you know, with your confidence or like where, how did this all come to be? You know, it's really quite silly how it came to be. And I was on the road with Smokey Joe's Cafe and I, it was like a thing. Like I, when I have like a saying, I just say it all the time. So I'm like one of those annoying, you're like, oh God, is she ever going to stop saying it? So I would call everyone sass, sass. We're going out tonight, sass. What are we doing after the show? Sass, sass, sass. And I would also use it because I couldn't remember everyone's name when we would go to a theater. (laughs) As you know, you're like, I don't know anyone's name. My dresser's sass, the crew guy's sass, everybody's sass. So, you know, someone turned to me one day and they were like, actually, you know, you're the sass. And I was Mm. like, you're right. So it was about maybe six months later, I went into Fosse um, and I was going to Toronto. I had been cast in LA by Chet Walker and uh, Richard Maltby. I went in, I went into the first day of rehearsal in Toronto. Chet Walker was gone and it was a cast of people that I didn't know. I was in the leopard because I didn't know the Fosse black rule yet. So that went over well. They were, Liz Parkinson was like, who is this girl in a leopard leotard? And And I said, and like day one, when you circle up, who are you? And I said, hi, my name is Rochelle Rack, but my friends call me Sass. And that was it. From that moment on, everyone in Fosse called me Sass. That's who I was. That was my nickname. Because prior to that, even now, like Jerry, he calls me Rack. Like mostly people would call me by my last name. 
So, um, but sass it up, all of those little sayings, they just kept coming about. And someone said to me, well, you should write a song. Like, this is who you are. And, you know, I was like, okay, can I do that? I don't know. All right, I'll try. You know, let me give it a try. And that's the thing also that I think people want, they don't mean to, I don't think it's sometimes intentionally, but they put you in a box. It's here, she does this, and that's what she's good at. And then she's kind of brassy and sassy, but they don't give you a chance to be vulnerable once you kind of, you know, have this reputation of, oh, powerhouse, strong. So in order to do, to show your sense of humor, you have to create things. You know, you have to create ideas. And I think that's what Sass It Up came about, you know, singing this crate. You know, I've always been a big Guns N' Roses, 80s rock, hair metal chick. As you can see, I still like to tease her. Um, but I would, I wrote that song called Crazy. And then my Delilah, she listens to it now on Alexa. And it has a swear word. And she's like, why didn't you do the, the you know, the, the rated version, you know, where you took the swear word out? And I just laugh and I think, oh, if I could just go back now. Um, but my daughter saying, Alexa, play songs by Rochelle Rock. You have to say rock. So we cackle. <laughs> But it's like all of those things. I think um, it was uh, Jake Wilson who came to me and said, I want to do a video of you and all of your sayings. You're going to play Sass and Danny Spieler will play Molly. And he took everything I ever said Forever 41, everything from Rocky, all of these themes of Rochelle Rackisms, and he put them in this video of Molly. And it's just hilarious because... It's not the Molly that you think of. It's Molly, you endanger right. girl, Molly. So yeah. those are those are things about being unique. I don't know. They never were eff like they never felt like an effort for me. I wasn't sitting going, how can I create this person that I, right. you know, I, I never thought of it that way. I just was like, okay, I'm going to write a song. I'm going to call it Sass It Up. Let's see what happens. And mm -hmm. the one thing I will tell young artists, go to a friend a musical director, someone that writes music and say, I have an idea. Could, could we, would you talk about it with me? And if it's not for them, they'll say, that sounds great. You should find someone, a young writer. Don't be discouraged when people say, oh, that's not for me or I can't do that because you'll find the person that can. It, it will mm -hmm. happen. So Martin Axe and I wrote those songs and he was my musical supervisor for um, Starlight Express many, many moons ago. Sass it up, Martin. <laughs> well, this is just a perfect example of what we're talking about. It's like you're not sitting there, like you said, I'm not trying to come up with these things. And that's what I think people do is they try to think like, well, what's my brand? And they try to make all this stuff up instead of, again, just be you. Like, who are you naturally? And so if you have these sayings, great, make a song. If you don't have these sayings, then don't make a song. Like it's, it, you know, find what works for you and who you are. And and I, I love too that you're saying like, just ask these people to, you know, write the song with you. And that's, I think so many performers are afraid, like they're waiting for a show to happen for them to be in instead of like, I have this idea. Well, how, you know, I could write the song for myself or, oh, I'd love to do this kind of choreography. Let me get with the choreographer and do this. And it's like, you, you're an artist, right? You don't need to wait for a paid opportunity to create art. And usually the things that are non-paid are the things that show you off the best because you have so much more of a creative say in it and the stakes are lower. So you can really be expressive and creative and artistic without worrying about box office receipts and things like that. So yeah, I just, Absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's really inspirational for the, for you to share that. Yeah. Um, I think when you just, yeah, tell me when, when I hear you talk about that, I always say, take out the result. 
take out what could be and do continue to do the work, write it, create it, present it. I am not afraid to call anyone. They may say, she's calling them again about a musical she wrote. I don't want to hear her pitch. I don't care. I mean, I mean that with great respect. I send an email. I've been working on something. I do it the right way. I don't mean to try to face, you know, friend someone and be like, right. hey, you know, because sometimes that can be abrasive. And I think that that's the fine line of um, outreach, how to do outreach, how to reach out to choreographers and say, if you're ever looking for dancers to be in a room for free just to do pre-pro, I'm available. Like, I think if more dancers put that forward instead of what am I going to get out of it monetarily, you're going to have, you're going to expand your connections. I know mm -hmm. for sure that helped me. Broadway Bears helped me to meet other choreographers. Any benefit show that people do. Well, you'll meet another choreographer or a, or a musical director. And it just, it's about expansion. I mean, that's how you build a career. Mm -hmm. And build relationships too. And then you can ask these people for the favors that you're talking about. And then they ask you for favors in return. And it's, it's a give and take. And like you said, sometimes you're not available. And I'll tell someone, yes, I would love to do this with you. I just don't have the bandwidth at the moment. So, you know, then you find another time that will work. So that's just, that's how it is. Um, so how did you go from then performing into choreography into being a judge on Abby's dance competition and all, all these things you've been doing? Well, um, I was a guest on Dance Mom. So I was doing flash dance in Pittsburgh and Abby came to the opening night and my producers of Dance Mom, uh, of Flash Dance were like, how do you know Abby Lee? And they were just, this was like 2013. And I said, oh, my God, I've known her my whole life. Her mother had a studio. My mother had a studio. I'm from Pittsburgh. They said, we have to get you on that show. And I was like, OK, make it happen. Whatever, whatever, I'll do it. So they made it happen. I was the guest from Broadway, the, uh, you know, the choreographer on the Gold Digger episode. That's, you know, a very famous episode now, which I had no idea what I was getting into. All I said was yes. So I was on the Gold Digger episode after it aired, which took like a few, I guess it was like six weeks or so after we filmed it. Um, my website blew up. People were, it, it, it was crazy. Craziness happened. I was like, what the heck is going on? I was just a guest. Well, the way they edited it, all of the things that happened, um, I get a call from Lifetime the next day after the episode to say, would you like to be considered to be a judge on Abby's Ultimate Dance Competition? We're replacing someone. And I was like, sure. I mean, I had, again, no idea, never right. saw the show, no agenda. And they said, well, we're going to have you do a Zoom interview. And I was like, okay. And uh, so I did the Zoom interview and the woman said, okay, Rochelle, we just want you just brag about yourself. You know, you know, give us a little bit, you know, bragging rights you have, you know, tell us about you. We loved how you stood up to Abby. We loved how you weren't afraid to give your opinion. And I think that I guess at that time, it was very rare to stand up to Abby. Uh, so I thought to myself, they want me to just brag about myself. Okay, I was, I'm so getting this job right now. And I did just that. And I bragged about myself and I told them about my story. I didn't go to college. I went to Cats and my whole life. And they hired me. And the next thing I know, I'm living at the W Hotel um, in Hollywood, you know, on for like seven weeks. The people must have thought when I checked in that I was like Tom Cruise. They like stacked the fridge. I got gifts every day. And I finally called and I said, 
do you think you could clear my fridge so I could actually live, live here for seven weeks? So these things happen by saying yes. The producers, like, and also fate. If I hadn't left the musical Pippin, which I did right before I went to Flashdance, I decided that I wasn't going to stay with Pippin. Sergio had called me and offered me this role. I had been working on both projects. I left. I said, I got to take a shot. It was a principal role, Flashdance pre-Broadway. Things don't make it to Broadway all the time, but it was worth it. If I hadn't gone, le taken that leap of faith, I would have never been on Dance Moms. I would have never been on Abby's Ultimate Dance Competition. I would have been in Pippin for one year. And that's how life is. So when you, I always read about it. I always, I always say, connect to your feelings. When your body tells you to go, go, because your mind will talk you out of it. It will tell you a million different reasons to stay. It's a Broadway show. You don't want to hurt anyone. It's a, but you will, you will circle and circle. My gut said go. And my gut was right. So that's how I ended up on Abby's Ultimate. I've hosted multiple Dance Moms episodes with the company Starbound, with the company that I worked for in the dance competition world, with Ignite Dance Live, which is, you know, a dance co competition convention that I'm a partner in that we tried to start in 2019. Great timing on that one. So, you know, all of life now is starting to kind of um, come back, we hope. And I'm going to do two new Dance Moms episodes with Ignite and my, you know, my partner in crime is Sandra Coit, who owns Starbound. So that was my, like a big chapter of my life. You know how I said to you earlier, people come up to me about every little step or I gotcha. And the dance competition kids come up to me and say, are you Rochelle from Dance Moms? And I'm like, 25 years on Broadway, you know, sure. You know, that's me, Rochelle from Dance Moms. So uh, it taught me a lot of things, a little teeny reality show, you know, um, feature changed the world for me in so many ways. So keep saying yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, because you're doing all these dance competitions and mentoring all these young dancers, and I've heard you say to them a lot about Yes, you want to have your technique, but stop worrying so much about your technique and think more about your performance, especially for theater. I mean, storytelling is what why we're doing it. But you you've shared a lot about how you're like, oh, sometimes I'm not even the best dancer in the room, but I know I'm the best performer in the room. And so that's how I'll book the job. And so can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's really helpful for people to hear that. Absolutely. First of all, I was never blessed with flexibility ever. It was always work. I was a strong dancer that could jump and leap, and I had the will of a lion. But technically, certain things never came easily for me. So I was always fighting for them. But I knew what I could do. And I knew that if I was going to go in for Rock of Ages, I was going to be the Rock of Ages and do my best. If I was going to go in for something that there was like a developé by my ear, I was not going to get that. So like, good to know, like what kind of dancer you are, first of all, so that you're not going in like feeling like, oh, you know, I can't do that. You know what you can and cannot do. If I see a choreographer that I'm really not their cup of tea, then that's okay. I, I also learn to accept that because there are enough choreographers out there that will like you. So what do you do? What are you good at? That's what you look at. What are my best skills? And then you say, what do I need to work on? That's where you spend your money. Go into the classes where you're the worst. 
If you can't tap dance, get into a beginner tap class. If you've never done hip hop, get into a class because those are the things that are going to make you better. And that's where you want to spend your money. When you can do, don't go in where you're the best in the class and, oh, I'm just going to live my life. Do that like once a month to feel good about yourself. You know, you want to feel good about yourself. But those are the things that I would say, know thyself. Go in for shows that you know, I fit in this mold. I could understudy that part. I could play that part possibly, potentially. But don't go in thinking I'm, you know, I, I can do everything because, you know, we're not, we're not built that way. Some shows are more, you know, I'm a showbiz kind of gal. I love to sell it. I love to perform. I love to bite the apple. But I can also give you, and here's a great story, for instance. So I was doing a show called Thou Shalt Not. It was Harry Connick's musical, Susan Stroman, director, choreographer. There was a part in it called, um, her name was Teresa Can. She was very innocent. And she did a ballet with a sheet. She did a tap dance. There were a lot of things that I thought I'd do. And Stroh said to me, you know, Rochelle, you're not, you're just not innocent enough to play this part because they could only see this, right? So an understudy got injured, someone else got sick and couldn't sing it. And I saw her on the street and she said to me, Rochelle, uh, can you learn to raise her can? And I, of course, said, I thought I wasn't innocent enough for it. <laughs> and we both laughed. And in nine days, I learned the part, a New Orleans accent. I went on with Craig B. Erko and Le Norbert Leo Butts. And the point is, I was put in that box, right? There it is. I can't play innocent. I can't do a ballet with a sheet. But when push comes to push comes to shove in life, the talent that you have, you know what you can do. So you do the work and then you get ready and then you go on. And Stroh said to them, when she's ready, put her on. And I went on for that part. So don't put yourself in a box of what you can't do. Try to get better at your weaknesses know that most musicals now have some tap, some hip hop, some, you know, and, and hip hop meaning street, jazz, funk, you know, as some lyrical. And I would say to these competitive dancers and to the dance studio owners, I have nothing um, but respect for is to start a musical theater program. And I don't mean a musical theater number where you lip sync and you're competing. I mean, a musical theater program where you bring in someone for perhaps to teach a voice class once a, once a week, once a month, something that is saying, hey, I want you to have these skills. Bring in a rocket to teach what it's like to audition for the Rockettes. Expand the way that you're teaching and don't just do everything for the metal because you'll create a lot of great metals, a lot of great dancers that maybe they will use their dancing ability in you know uh, a college dance team. And that's fantastic. But there are going to be that handful that want more and they won't have the skills to back them up when it comes time to audition for college. So I'm just mm -hmm. a big advocate of the professionals continuing to study what their weakest link is because no one wants to be in the back of the class and be the worst when you're talented, right? When you're like, what am I doing here? Oh my God. But that's how you get better. And if you're singing a song that isn't getting you a callback, then drop the damn song and get a new song. That's my harsh advice. If you're not funny, then get in a class that helps you to do improv and find your funny. There is nothing you can't do. There's nothing that you can't be trained to do. I'm a believer in that. You just have to believe it yourself. Yeah, 
especially if you live in New York, because we have everything at our disposal here. So there's not really any excuse when when it's all available. It's just your own decision to go do it. And I think people just don't want to be uncomfortable, especially because there's so many cameras in the classrooms and stuff now. So, you know, like I've, I remember when I was moving to the city here in the late 90s and taking classes and it was like everyone was so much better than you. And that's why you were in the class, because you wanted to dance like everyone else that was like that. And you'd go and you'd be sitting, you know, waiting in line to go sing your song. You'd be hearing these voices. You're like, you just want to, you just had this idea, like, I just want to keep getting better and better and better. And now, sadly, it's like everyone's so afraid to like step out of their comfort zone. And it's sad because I feel like there's so much raw talent there that's not getting developed because people are just too afraid to say yes to themselves. And so hopefully if they're listening, this is inspiring them to to go get in something that makes them feel uncomfortable a little bit. I agree. And I think, you know, get the cameras out of the rooms. As far as I'm concerned, not in every class. Take from take from teachers that are choreographers. Take from someone that can maybe hire you somewhere down the line. Then take from someone who can really help you with your technique or a basic tap class that's going to help you to be able to pick up a combination at a at an audition. You know, go to auditions that you don't want because you get better. When you go to auditions you don't want, you can get better at your craft for that and then be ready for the ones you do want. Don't only go to the to the jobs you want. Forget about it. You have to do 100 in between. Then maybe you'll be ready for the one that you want. But I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I understand the social media. I understand, okay, let's record. I understand teachers wanting to get their class out there. I get it. We have to make a living. But I also think, you know, uh, open up and expand more and don't make it about just the camera. It's about dancing through the mirror. What do you want? How do you reach the back wall? How do you tell your story? Every combination has a story in my mind. And if the teacher doesn't give it to you, Make it up yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is true for voice, acting, all, all the things. I, I just think make smart choices about who you are studying with. Like you said, like who can actually help you get a job or who can actually take your technique forward. I remember because you mentioned Chet Walker, it reminded me that I was at BDC one time and uh, I forget who it was. Some Someone from So You Think Can Dance was teaching. So, of course, everyone was in there because it's like a celebrity dancer. They're not even a choreographer. They're a dancer, but the, they were teaching a class. And then I walked around the corner to Chet Walker's class and there was two people in there. And I'm like, this is a legend. How are there two people in here? And did you see those balloons go on the screen? Or yes, that just I love the balloons. I don't know how that I'm, happened. But... That was Chet Walker. He <laughs> yeah, was it was Chet Walker giving us balloons. Um, but it's right. just like, why are you not in this class where you're, you're going to take your technique so much farther? You're going to make career connections and do all these things versus just being in a class with a celebrity for the fun of it. And like you said, yeah, once a month, take those classes and make you feel good and whatnot. But it's just, there's so many strong teachers out there. I have voice teacher friends and acting teacher friends as well. And they're just not getting people in their classes because everyone's going to the fun classes, the easy classes where they're going to be great for their Instagram footage. And it's like, well, you're not getting paid to have your footage on Instagram. Don't you want to get a job where you're going to get paid? I mean, that to me is like, you're paying to go to class and you're paying to be on Instagram versus getting paid to perform. So it, it just, it doesn't yes. make sense to me, but that's, that's what's happening. No, I mean, and the thing is, it's, um, it's a disillusion. It's like watching yourself do everything and that, that it feels like it's good and it's not all good. And that's the same thing that I'm saying about in real time. Know when it's not good. Know when you, you have the wrong, you, you're just not as together as you thought, right? You have to know 
Um, or you have to have a friend. I always thought it would be a good thing to be like a friend, a paid friend that would be like, that song doesn't work for you. Um, that outfit doesn't work for you. But like in the most positive fun way. But I come from a generation where notes and critiques were just like, okay, they didn't, they just kind of rolled off your shoulder. It wasn't internalized or it wasn't as, I guess I wasn't as sensitive because you couldn't be. If you wanted to compete with the best of the best, you had to have thicker skin. You had to be like, okay, this is not about me. It's not personal. I need to work on this. Maybe my song wasn't as good. Maybe I need to see, you know, the one thing I say now, you know, you can only do what you can do with your voice. I'm not going to walk in and, you know, God bless Adina Menzel, but she changed the range for most people, the average singer. Okay. It changed. People want higher. They think higher is better. It's not. And the only way to go back and to have that idea is to go in and be yourself and say, this is where I sing to. This is, but I can tell a story and I can sing a song and I can sell it. Because not everyone is meant to sing D's, E's, and F's, you know, and above. And they're just not. Like, where is the variety? I want the Cheetah Rivera key. I want the Anne Ranking key, the Gwen Verdon. Sometimes I want to hear a number that's done with style and story that's not about who hit the highest note for the longest. I'm sorry. I'm uninterested. It's great for a minute. But then you just keep, it's just one after the other. You're like, oh my God, is this what we're about now? Where the note ends? That's what I, I sat there thinking that like, oh boy. I, I kept thinking I would never be hired right now. Cause I'd be like this, hand me with the hot note. Or I'd be singing, you know, down in my range. I'd be singing. I think I sang maybe this time for like 20 years, but luckily it worked. Um, it Luckily it worked for me. But you just, you can't constantly try to be what you're not. Again, mm. finding yourself. Where do, where's my rich spot in my voice? When, you know, when you dance in a class, how do you dance with style? Not just, you know, it's like doing steps. It's, it's, there's a way to do the step. And then there's a way to put something on the step, you know, without, mm -hmm. uh, you know, of course, without insulting a choreographer. It's like you're bringing their step to life. That's what they want. Mm. They don't want you to do your no. version. They want you to bring their creation to life. You know that. You've watched your own steps mm -hmm. come to life. You know, it's exciting. Yeah. And I think, the, you know, with your point of uh, doing what's good for you and who you are, like I actually think after you've been at auditions all day long and everyone's coming in trying to sing their top note and some people are successful and some people not, and like no storytelling, but just about like how high I can sing. You get someone come in that does sing in a lower, lower register and is giving you style. And like, you're just so drawn in because it's like, oh, finally something different and unique. And again, like people are drawn to things that are unique. And so everyone now is trying to belt as high as they possibly can. And like, that's boring because everyone's doing that. And so don't just, you know, we keep, <laughs> we keep circling on these same themes, but like, don't keep doing what you see other people doing just because they're doing that. Do what's best for you and shows you off. So I think that's such a, exactly. a good message from this conversation. Um, wow. So talk, what, one more question I want to ask you about is Boop, because that's, you know, you just had this amazing Chicago run and now you're going to be transferring to Broadway. And uh, I've loved seeing all the press and the videos. And of course, we both worked with Jerry and love him. And so so excited for this to be blowing up like this. So tell us about how's, how's that going for you and like what was the experience like? 
Well, let's just say, you know, I've had a lot of experiences where you go, this is good. This is, this is good. My heart feels good. This was, uh, I would say, one of the top experiences, especially uh, because it's a story of heart. It's a story of finding yourself. It's a story of someone looking deeper than maybe the page or the drawing or the picture of who we are. And, you know, becoming a real person and Betty Boop finding her journey. Jasmine Amy Rogers is a gift. I was blessed to be able to spend time with the star um, prior to rehearsals, tap dancing, creating, posing, coming up with ideas and and feeling comfortable and feeling grateful that Jerry put me in that position to do that. You know, people say, oh, did Jerry just ask you to, to be the associate choreographer? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Let me think about that question. Um, for about eight or nine years, I pitched myself every year and I would meet him for like coffee because we've been friends forever. And, you know, also, you know, that can be tricky too. hiring someone that's your friend have been in your life. And uh, I would go and meet him. And every time I'd meet him, I'd tell him, well, I wrote this. I'm working on this. You know, what else you got? What else you got? He'd ask me. And I choreographed for Bear. So in order to get that opportunity, I was a reminder every year. Hey, you know, I'm interested. And finally, I remember two, two and a half years ago, he said to me, I think I have something that's right for you. You know, two and a half years ago where we had the first conversation of this. So to see both not only, you know, do a workshop pre-production, two years of work with Jerry to bring it to life, to bring it to the CIBC Theater in Chicago. I really don't think, Jim, that I could have imagined what I saw on the screen, pictures, and then what actually happened on the stage was possible. And I mean that with like the greatest, I was in awe, I was with respect. Jerry's vision of how he was going to tell this story was so clear to him and he shared it and he would show us, but I felt like a muggle. Like I was like, oh my God, okay, I know exactly what he means, but how was this going to be possible? So the show takes place. It's two different worlds. It's a story of life and love and love for yourself. Um, there's amazing dancing moments. There's amazing, um, I would say a breath of fresh air of some tap dancing, some street, some hip hop, some styles that are intertwined together. And just a new, fresh idea of what a Broadway musical is. It's not an old style musical. It's not a brand new, you know, hip hop kind of musical. But the morphing of the worlds is quite interesting. And the story, it's charming. There's a young girl. Her name is Angelica Hale, who played Trisha. You know, it, and it's it reminds me of a lot of the New Yorker stories where, hey, we all come here. We leave our families behind. Maybe we come from broken families, different families. People raise us that aren't our parents. Um, and it's about love. And it's, hey, you know, it's about art and finding your talent and finding your strength, whether that's in an icon like Betty Boop that you look up to or that's someone, you know, that you look up to like myself or you, a mentor. And it's making that kind of story come to life. So it's a spectacle, but it has heart. So. I think that seeing it being brought to its, you know, creation was remarkable for me to have some sort of um, position and be able to be creative and, and give some of my talents to it has been sensational. I'll never forget it. 
And to know yeah. that once again, this is what I think is important for people. You never know. You're not going to come directly into Broadway. It might take time. There might be 20 musicals coming in this year, a theater that you're not right for. You're not, you're only right for maybe a 1200 seat house or 1300 seat house. So you're going to have to wait. So these things don't just like boom, 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 even at the very top. It's well thought out. It has strategy. When it comes to New York, I think people will be happy to see it. It's a musical that makes you feel alive and grateful. So I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of the team working with Jerry, John Rua working with, I mean, incredible Bob Martin, David Foster, Susan Birkenhead, who wrote the lyrics mm -hmm. to Jelly's Last Jam, who would leave the room. Jerry would say, Susan, I need a, a section of the song. Boom, boom, boom. She'd come back in an hour and it was done. I mean, the, yeah. the way these incredible people worked my mind was blown. D.B. Bonds, the associate uh, director. So like it's a family and we're there to serve the piece. And every head of department, every person that I worked with there, um, I just felt like I was in the right company. I, I didn't know, Jim, how I would feel. And this is me being totally honest, how I would feel not being in the show, being watching mm -hmm. the show, really not participating on stage. You know, I came from, you know, I got the prop, I got this, I can handle anything, crossover, da, 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 understudy, play the part. And I had to sit and allow others to really do that. And I was just as proud. I felt, I felt just as grateful and I felt just as fulfilled. So it was such a lesson for me to go, I'm ready. I'm so ready to share this part of my chapter with these young you know, performers that I adore. So that was a great lesson for me. And I still love to perform. People ask me now, do you ever, you know, want to perform? And, you know, yes. But, you know, when when it's right, when it's absolutely right, for sure. But um, I never say, you know, the door is closed completely. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also wonderful that you can be fulfilled by so many different things, as we talked about in the very beginning of the episode with all the different things you do. So um, it's a good lesson for people who are afraid to step outside of what they already do or feel like, oh, they're letting go of a dream to go try doing something else for a while. It's like, well, that dream can still be there. You can still come back to that later. But there's other things that maybe would fulfill you that you're not going to know unless you try. And if you try it and it doesn't work, that's fine. Then you just don't go do that again. You you shift gears. But it's, you know, there's a full life to live in, a full life to experience. And I, I also love that part of the show that you're talking about is finding yourself in the show, like find you yourself as Rochelle Rack, but then also the character finding herself and finding her heart. And that's been what we've been talking about all episodes. So it's, it's, it's a very nice parallel that that that's happening at the same time. Yes. Well, it's uh, it's such a great lesson. So I just want to say to people out there, dreams, they can change, they change, they evolve, but you have to let them. There are times in my life where I held on by my fingernails to one idea of myself, to one dream. And it wasn't until I let go and I let space in my life to be afraid, to not have the security and to have a little bit of fear, doubt, worry. But then you will rise. You will find, okay, I have space now. All of a sudden the phone rings. All of a sudden you see an ad, you're like, I'm right for that. So uh, I just say trust expansion and trust not holding on by your fingernails that I have to make this happen. I have to, because you need space 
to to create art. Art is for yourself. If you want to create something, create it. It's not for others. If they don't like it, they don't like it. You're there because you have to do it. It's like oxygen for me. I can't live without it. I breathe and I, I feel it every moment of every day. If someone could have just a smidge of the passion I have for what I do, then they're going to have a very happy life. And it's not been all, you know, cupcakes and snow cones, honey. Yeah. Well, and, that, and like you said in the beginning, that's what you use to fuel you moving forward. So that's amazing. Um, thank you so much. This has been a really amazing conversation. And I think people are going to get a lot out of this. Is there anything else we didn't touch on that you want to share or any parting words or anything? No, I just think, you know, uh, to the young women out there, you know, show business can sometimes take your youth and you can think, oh, I'm not going to have family. I'm not going to be able to do this. It happens with all different, not just the women, but with family situations, with men, with you want to do things. I think it's really important to remember that you can have it all, that you don't have to give up life for show business. And I think that show business can really push us that we can't have this, we miss weddings, we miss everything. And I look back now, as I look back now as an older woman in my life, and I think not, nothing is worse, worth missing out on life. So, you know, don't miss out on your life. If it's time for you to, to do something, to step away, I guess here's, here's the moral of the story. Show business isn't going anywhere. It's going to be there. If you need nine months or you need a year or you need to step away and you need to be an assistant, if you want to be an associate or you want to be um, maybe a dance captain, put that out there. See what that entails. Like If you want to change things in your life, you have to take an action. If you think that you're missing out on some things in life and you and it makes you sad, then you have to figure that out because it's very important to not let show business own every moment of your life. You have to yep. um, remember that how important you are, how important happiness is. You know, I think we, we forgot about that for a long time. And I think that people are learning to take some time to enjoy their life again. Right. And if people think that showbiz is going to go somewhere, well, we have the pandemic to prove that otherwise, because Everything literally shut down and then it rose back up again. So yeah, it's not going anywhere. That's very no. good advice. No, it's it's going to be here. I always say Broadway will be there in a year. You know, we doubted it during COVID and we had to wait for it. But, you know, it will be there. There will be some form of entertainment that you can find. And, you know, if there's anything you want to have content, create it. You want to do something, write it. You have to, you can't sit around going, oh, that show, boy, that could have been better. Boy, I, if I would have done it, no, do it, do it. Don't talk about others' work, do your own work. That makes you a better artist. And that's 100%. what Sass says for today. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was incredible. Thank you again. I'm really grateful for you being here. And if people want to connect with you outside of this episode, what's the best way for them to do it? Instagram or what's your Instagram? Preferred? Rochelle Rock. I'm, I'm pretty easy to find Instagram, Facebook. Send me a note. If you ever have a question, write me a note. I will respond. And uh, I'm always I feel like I always say this, but I am. I'm available to people who want to know, who have questions, because I think it's important. If I had someone like me in my life when I was younger, I might have had a lot of different, you know, insight that I could have used at a time when I was like, what do you do now? 
So I yeah. think that's important. Don't be afraid to that's reach right. out for help. And yeah, I'm so proud right. of you, really. Congratulations well, to all of the things that you're doing, creating, and of course, giving this experience to people to talk to people that are in the business to help others. I mean, it's fantastic. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. Well, sending you lots of love and I will see you later. Bye. All right, everybody. Sass it up. Drop swing. Cha-cha booze. Bite the apple. I just adore her and I could talk to her all day long. I mean, just the thought of taking your failures and using that as a way to build your confidence, that alone, that is just so incredible. And I love having her as a real life example and real life proof on how finding yourself, knowing yourself and being yourself is the key that unlocks the door to everything that's part of your hopes and dreams. So I really do hope that you take all of her advice and put in the work because it is going to be worth it. And again, if you need help figuring out where you should be putting in the work, I offered you a free copy of the Dream Career Blueprint at the top of this episode. And by the way, this is not just my thoughts. This is the unanimous advice from everyone who hires us in our industry, casting directors, producers, agents, artistic directors. These are people who I work with when casting my own projects or I teach alongside like I do with Rochelle. And I hear time and again, people say the same things. There's some universal advice and practices. So I've compiled all this and put this into the Dream Career Blueprint for you. So you have it at your fingertips. So please do yourself a favor. If you don't already have this, please download this. I'm giving it to you completely for free. And you can download it by going to jimcooney.me forward slash blueprint or clicking the link to it in the show notes. If you've got any questions on today's episode, just send me a DM. You can find me over on Instagram. I'm at jimcooneynyc. And if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe. And while you're there, Leave the show a five-star review, especially if you think this podcast would be helpful for someone else. And finally, if you love the show and you want to help support it, leaving a small tip, even a buck or two, helps me recover the cost of producing the show. And so I would really greatly appreciate that. If you are interested in leaving a tip, there is a link that you can click in the show notes to do so. Now, I said at the top of the episode, I always end the episode by saying this, but hopefully it's going to resonate with you a lot more today after now hearing this conversation with Rochelle. So... Remember, there is no one on the planet who is just like you. Stay true to the gifts you have and who you are. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Now, here's a little preview of next week's episode, and I will see you then. You booked the job. Awesome. Congrats. But what's the offer? That's your first question, right? What is the money? What are the details? Because now it is time to negotiate the contract. But most people get this step wrong and they only negotiate the money. And so they're missing out on a ton of other things that they could be negotiating. Even worse, if the money is non-negotiable, you might think you're just out of luck and you have to accept the contract as is. But that is so not the case. So today we're going to talk about 30 other things you can negotiate besides the money. And even if you have an agent who negotiates on your behalf, it's still helpful for you to know everything you have at your disposal that you can leverage. And that way you can better inform your agent where to push and pull as they're doing the negotiations. This way you end up with the best contract that's possible for you.